Father in heaven, as we talk about relationship revival, we just pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us as we study the principles of the Word of God. And we thank you, Lord, that you love family and you love marriage. And Lord Jesus, we recognize that unless the Holy Spirit comes and inspires our thoughts and words in the hearts of each person here, no real revival will occur. So we are completely dependent upon you, Father, and give you all the praise that you've promised where two or three are gathered, you are here. And we ask for the Holy Spirit to fall with great measure in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We're talking today about... um, his needs and her needs, and we'll start by a woman needs her man to do what? Just, uh, a, just a few things. Just, yeah, <laughs> just a few things. Number, the number one thing is Matthew 6.33. Everybody knows Matthew 6.33, to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these marriage needs will be added unto you. Did I add something there? Okay. But is it true? Whatever you need will be added unto you. And is God interested in helping us with our marriage? Yes or no? So it's definitely, you never have to pray, Lord, if it's your will, help me. It's always God's will to help us. Amen? And the two great institutions that he gave us is Sabbath and marriage. uh And so absolutely. Uh Uh-oh, sweetheart. Must be be your new haircut. No. There you go. There you go. There you go. Speaking of haircuts, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) But anyway, it's his good pleasure to want to give us healthy, happy marriages. Amen. So to have the best marriage, uh, you know, we don't have to guess about this. We have Jesus in our marriage. It's going to be a lot smoother sailing. Amen. Amen. So Jesus first every day. When I first uh, proposed to my wife, I ask her, would you be second in my life next to Jesus? Because I knew that if I didn't have Jesus in my heart, I probably would be very self-centered and it would be, you know, what am I going to get out of this marriage? And it would not, I I don't think I would have been the best candidate for a husband without Jesus, okay? And the good news is, when I was 16 years old, that was my prayer for the Lord to give me a sign that the man I was to marry would propose and say, would you be second in my life next to Jesus? So when he proposed that way, I left him on the creek bank. (laughs) I was so so amazed and shocked and excited. My best friend is Jesus. My second best friend is my wife. Amen? Mm -hmm. Okay. And you'll have to trick through these really fast because we have lots of them. I know, sweetheart. Uh, You want to talk about uh, a woman needs to trust her man? Well, I think absolutely trust is really important and also faithfulness and provision and protection. We like all those things, right, ladies? Amen. Leadership, servitude, intimacy, attention, listening time. I need time for my husband to listen to me. Affirmation, prioritization, making sure I'm a priority. Be my best friend. Recognize. Tell me I look nice. Honey, how do I look today? You look beautiful. Except for my short hair. Mm-hmm. To be an example, compliments, a hot date now and then, ladies, say amen. Support, love, prayer, partnership. Very, very important, all of those things. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, just a few. Did you notice that? Just a few. Yeah, we were going to talk about some of these, <laughs> uh, but let's let's uh, let's look at this uh, uh, servitude. You know, sometimes we talk about uh, Ephesians chapter five about uh, that uh, uh, the woman should submit unto the man, but they don't. But they don't. We need not forget that in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, it also talks about how we should serve one another as well. Mm -hmm. So, so your uh, spouse is not your slave. We love to serve each other. She loves to serve me as a king. I love to serve her and treat her like a queen. Amen? So she doesn't mind treating me like a queen, especially king. when I'm, I mean a king, especially when I'm treating her like a queen. Amen? <laughs> And so that was actually the only question in our question box. How many of you are going to write down a question today? None? <laughs> one? You're supposed to be writing down questions and putting them in the box. And that was one of the questions was, really? You know, how about this quote-unquote I'm supposed to serve or I'm supposed to submit? Or I'm supposed to, you know what I mean? And I believe it's like this. It was just like my husband said. As we treat each other in the very best way as we serve Christ first, it's reciprocal. It really is. Yeah, but, Expression deepens impression. But I, I think what I heard in this question was, you know, I, I serve him a lot, but I don't, I don't get it back maybe. Now, so what do you do in a case like that? If you don't, if you don't give it back to me, I'm just going to quit being a faithful spouse. Well, I think for sure, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes we tend to memorize a list and we say, okay, if I do this, this, and this, then he's going to do this, this, and this. But that shouldn't really be the motive. I think really and truly what gives emphasis to me is I was created for God's glory. And I was created to reveal God's character. Part of my revealing God's character is in the way that I minister to and treat my husband. So I answer to someone much higher than him. I want to be the woman and the wife that God created me to be, regardless of how he is. I, I love that story about the lady who's married to the uh, Marine sergeant. Yes. And, and oh man, she had to get up at six o'clock in the morning and fix him breakfast at six o'clock sharp. And, you know, and she had all these uh, regimented rules she had to go through. And, and it was like being in boot camp. And then, you know, later on, he passed away, and she married this other guy. And what happened there, honey, when she married this other guy? Well, she married a, a gentleman that just adored her, and it was so wonderful. She really had the marriage for the first time that she desired. Mm -hmm. And one day, after they'd been married several years, she was up in the attic cleaning things out, and she found one of those old lists that her Marine husband had had for her. When the coffee had to be on, how yeah. the breakfast had to be on, do, 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 all the way down, or when the Roma was supposed to be on. Anyway, yeah. and so in the midst of that list, suddenly she recognized that she was doing all those things for this husband, but didn't even realize it. Didn't even realize it because it came naturally yeah. out of a love relationship. Yeah. She enjoyed it. It wasn't so much... A duty uh, a and a duty, burden. Yeah, because he treated her with such kindness and That's love. That's right. Yeah. Amen. That's right. Uh, let's take a look at uh, um, when we first got married, I, I was having a little trouble praying with my wife. I'll just be honest with you. It was a little bit of struggle. I'd, I'd go on my own and pray 
pray by myself. You know, I mean, that's biblical, okay? You know, Matthew 6 says, open your closet and shut the door, you know, and pray. And so I was doing, I was biblical, okay? <laughs> um, but my wife wanted me to pray with her, and I didn't feel real comfortable. But as we continued to grow closer together and closer together, now it, it's easy for me to pray with her. So if you're struggling with this, it's, it's okay. We, we, we go through these you know, times in our lives where we don't feel as comfortable. But as you get to uh, know each other and you become better friends, someday you'll, you'll enjoy praying together even more. Mm -hmm. I think, too, for a man to pray out loud in front of his wife can be a little different than for a woman. Um, I think it was, it's very vulnerable, especially if you're confessing your weaknesses or those types of things. And so um, at first I didn't understand, why wouldn't you want to pray together other than meals and worship and just those kinds of prayers? But I have to say, it really is um, praying together, not preaching at one another through prayer, but praying together is an, incredibly, an incredible level of intimacy like none other. Mm -hmm. And so we really encourage that. But it's very important that we don't desecrate that intimacy by, by preaching to one another through our prayers. It can be a temptation. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm speaking to the women more here. Maybe not. But it can be a temptation. Lord, help him to change in these areas. <laughs> that wouldn't be a real good thing. Uh, supporting, we talked a little bit about this yesterday about supporting each other because um, I'm, I'm sensitive when I know my wife is going through a hard time at the hospital. It's not all the time, but sometimes she has a stressful place at the hospital because they, they vent on her and they tell her what a terrible, you know, what this, this doctor did to, her, to, did to them. And, and so then she gets the, the brunt of it. And so it makes me want to be supportive of my wife when she's going through a hard time. And I know for me, when I've gone through hard times, she's been there very supportive. And mm -hmm. so um, it, because I know she's so supportive to me, it just, it makes me automatically want just to be supportive to her. But I think some of the ways that are most meaningful that Patrick is supportive to me is in the areas that I struggle that he doesn't. It's so easy to be judgmental of one another when you have weaknesses that are different. But I love how that the weaknesses I have that he does not have, he's very tender toward me and encouraging. And I appreciate that very, very much. Because mm -hmm. if we compare each other to each other, that's not always a, creating a safe place. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on here. No, so, no man was ever shot by his wife while doing the dishes. <laughs> Where did Those, that come we from? have a little commercial break <laughs> yeah. here we're talking about today living loving out loud that's the title of today loving out loud mm -hmm. and um part of loving out loud is being active and doing right. things for each other the, the most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother now my my dad left when i was five he was abusive to my mother physically and emotionally and, and I, I thank you, Lord, that he did leave because I didn't have to grow up with that. Amen? Um, and it really affected my mother in, in her future life but in later years. But um, So I thought, you know, when I, when I get married, I want, I want just the opposite. I want to break the cycle of abuse, of physical abuse and mental abuse uh, and emotional abuse. And I want to break this. So when we got married... I made it a point to uh, 
to wrestle my wife down to the ground and get on top of her. And the children would come to rescue mom, you know, and they would try to pull dad off and make it fun, you know. And uh, I wanted them to see that their, their dad loved their mother. And so many times the children would be around and I would kiss on Tammy and hug her. And when my kids got a little older, they'd say, gross, dad, get a room, you know. You know how kids are, teenagers, you know. But, but I, wanted, I wanted them to see this picture of when you guys get married, I want you to wrestle with your wife and love on your wife in front of your children. Amen? This is the best thing we can do for our kids is let them see that their daddy loves their mother. And at different times in our children's growth, because they're now um, adults, probably one of the greatest compliments they both gave us at different times individually was, Mom and Dad, we hope we have a marriage like yours. And that, to me, was a great compliment to the Lord yeah. that he helped us to um, be that example. Love is what is left in a relationship when selfishness is taken out. And you know and I know that in a relationship, uh, self can rise up, right? Mm -hmm. if, if, self, if we were in an argument and self was taken out of the argument, there would cease to be an argument, right? But I'm just sure that, woman, you need to see this. This is right. And she's just certain that, no, it's not. <laughs> right? That's right. And, and self rises up, but, it, but that's why I like Proverbs, uh, the wise man says in Proverbs 15, 1, when you're in an argument, a soft answer turns away the anger. But so often we get into an argument and I get louder and then she gets louder and then it escalates and that's no good. But if, but if she's, you know, if she steps out of the circle and speaks softly, then I, you know, you tend to speak softly back, right? And that's if, tomorrow's topic. Oh, that's tomorrow. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that. Okay. So a man needs his woman to, uh, number one, put Jesus first. Amen. And just uh, click through them really fast. Okay, appreciation, surprises, great food. And I got a lot of these from my husband, but honestly, we went online and this is researched. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Need him, support, look good, compliments, public praise, helpmate, cheerleader, space, <laughs> affection, Attention, priority, love language. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, loyalty, laughter, peace. When you come home, Believe. you always say that you like your home to be a peaceful place. That's right. That's right. Intimacy, a man needs respect. And a man needs respect. Respect, yeah, that's true. <laughs> a woman needs love. A man needs respect. Amen. Amen. You've heard that a few thousand times, I'm sure. So let's talk a little bit about these. One more, I think. Oh, isn't one there? more. No, I think that's it. Oh, okay. Admiration. 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 Admire him. That's right. Um, so a man needs to be appreciated. That's, that's true. Uh, we like surprises. Well, as long as it doesn't cost too much. Right? <laughs> um, do, a man need a man. See, to get to a man's heart is through his stomach. That's right. So I know all of you are great cooks. Uh, so that's good. Or you know who someone is, and you go get their food. Whatever yeah, works. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, need him. 
In other words, I think our husbands need us to need them. I, I, I think my husband appreciates it when he's the one who has to open the jar for me because it's too hard, or I need him to uh, carry something heavy. The other day I was with my sister, and she was picking up this huge thing, and her husband said, Stop! Don't do that. That's not good for your health. That's, right. That's what you have me for. It was very nice. I think sometimes we pride ourselves on being really independent. I'm not encouraging us to be weaklings, but let's, let's appreciate our differences mm-hmm. and capitalize yep. on those yep. and appreciate those. Um, and I think, honey, you mentioned that sometimes it's tempting once we get married to kind of let ourselves maybe go a little bit. I think it's important to look attractive and to well, yeah, fix I mean, up. If a, and If a guy is working in a, uh, a public building with all kinds of uh, white class, white collar workers and suits and ties and all he sees his wife in is, is her robe and, and her hair's not made up but he, he goes to work and he sees all these nice looking women all, all dressed up that's not good, that's not good he needs to see his wife looking good too amen I think it's just important to remember who is our first priority. We put the Lord first. We put our spouse second. And it's important that we make sure that we are attractive and that we are pleasant. Mm -hmm. Um, I once uh, knew a woman who uh, her husband was very affluent. They made a lot of uh, money. They had a great income. She had a gorgeous home. They had three children. They were very happy. But she had gotten in the bad habit of nagging all the time and being very dissatisfied and very unhappy with her husband. And every time he came home, it just ended up in her griping about what he hadn't done around the house or what he'd neglected to do for his children or how he wasn't what she needed him to be. And um, she became a very critical and kind of poisonous individual, little by little, just got in a bad habit. But you know what? This gentleman's secretary always looked great and smelled nice and treated him with utmost respect. You know, I have Mr. So-and-so, I have your your phone messages taken off for you. You'll need this. I've adjusted your lunch. I've called this. I've made your life easy. And you know, more and more, it became a lot more attractive to him to stay at work than to come home. And so I think it's really good for all of us, I'm speaking to myself, to step back and say, have I created a beautiful love nest and haven in my home? Have I created, have I done my part or am I waiting for him? Am I waiting for the other person to make the first move or to create this ambiance and create this relationship I so desire? What am I doing to create that? So often we think about what we don't have, but we don't stop to think, well, what can I do about it? What is my part? It is not my job. We learned that yesterday. It's the Holy Spirit's job, amen, to make change and, and to change a person's heart and life. But I can influence so much by the way I behave. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's easy to look over this one, but I think it's very important. If I'm going to make our marriage a priority, it's important for me to do that by looking great for him, being respectful, and not being a big nag, mm-hmm. because I can nag. Don't you dare say amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, there's certain times of the month, you know, uh, <laughs> No, no. The PMS Pat Milligan suffers occurs. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Okay, um, I know that my wife, she does compliment me. I know she, um, in front of others, she you knows she's appreciative. Uh, she's definitely my helpmate. And God gave us to each other to be helpmates to each other. It's not just that she's my, she, 
Eve was not just Adam's helpmate. He was to help her too. Amen? That's right. And uh, we help each other. Um, when we get to the love languages, if I don't say it then, remind me to talk about getting what you want. Will somebody remind me to yeah. get what we'll, you we'll want? Get to, we'll get All to right. that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, affection, uh, attention, being a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all very, these, these are all, this is all research, but this is what a man needs. Uh, loyalty, laughter, and peace. Uh, I, would, I would come home and I just didn't want you know, stuff on the TV that I knew that, might, that just might drive angels out. I, I didn't want that. I wanted a home where I knew that the angels would be there to give us peace in our home. Amen? Because there are certain there's certain music or certain types of TV. I just don't want to drive those good angels out because I, I really believe as a pastor that when we drive those good angels out, those evil angels come in and I believe it's those e- evil angels that pinch my wife and cause us to fight. Or pinch you. Well, I mean, it's possible. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we can, these evil angels, they just cause uh, fights and, and anger and frustration. Right. But when the Holy Spirit and the angels of God are near, then the, the, the sweet spirit comes in of love and joy and kindness and, and gentleness and meekness. Amen. We, the kind, and that's what I, I'd come home and I could just go. Ah, it was a safe place, you know. Yes. All right. We'll talk more about respect. You know, men need respect and we'll talk. And that's on another day. Yeah, that's on another day. OK. Um, <laughs> Dr. Laura Schlesinger, she's not on the radio anymore. She, she said a little too much, but <laughs> she says, I have, never, I have never gotten a complaint from a male listener in 25 years on the radio over my assertion that men are very simple creatures. They agree. I have explained time and again on my radio program that men are born of a woman and spend the rest of their lives yearning for a woman's acceptance and approval. Unless you've got a man with a frank mental di- mental or personality disorder the exception not the rule men admittedly are putty in the hands of a woman they love give him direct communication respect appreciation food and good loving and he'll do just about anything you wish foolish or not (laughs) that is a true statement that is a true statement amen (laughs) so God bless you Dr. Laura even though I could not stand to listen to her. (laughs) But she had some excellent, excellent things in The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands. Yeah. Just a phenomenal book. Yeah, The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands. And I would like to add, you know, while women want men of strong and noble characters whom they can respect and love, these qualities need to be mingled with tenderness and affection, patience and forbearance. The wife should be cheerful, kind, and devoted, assimilating her taste to that of her husband, as possible without losing her individuality. Both parties should cultivate patience and kindness and that tender love for each other that will make married life pleasant and enjoyable. It is the little things. Actually, if you go to the next quote, I think it has. It's the little things. Let all seek to discover the excellencies rather than the defects. Determine to be all that is possible to be to each other. Think about that. Are you all that is possible for you to be to your spouse? 
That's a very valid question to ask ourselves. And often it's our own attitude and the atmosphere that surrounds ourselves that brings out the worst or the best in others. Listen to me. In my devotions this morning, I read in Mount of Blessings, I believe. (laughs) I wrote it down, though, in case. It talks about that around each one of us is a sphere of influence that is perceptibly or imperceptibly and felt by every person we come in contact with. That is powerful. It says not until we get to heaven will we recognize how much that very influence that surrounds our very selves Mm -hmm. has either encouraged others on the way to heaven or discouraged them. I think you're so true because you can be around a group of people (laughs) and someone could come in that looks like they've been eating sour grapes, you know, and, and baptized in lemon juice. Yeah, baptized in lemon juice. And it just, it taints the whole group, you know. But you could have someone that comes in, they're just full of the, the joy of the Lord and their days, and, it, and that's catching. And that yes. Catch, yeah. The servant of the Lord went on to say that there are three categories of influence. You ready? Number one is peace, love, joy, and there's another one. Don't know if I put it in here or not, but I tell you, it is worth, and I think I did. No, this isn't the one. Anyway, I'll find it for you. Peace, love, joy, and something else that was lovely. The second sphere of influence that we each have, can have, is one of selfishness and bitterness. Selfishness. And bitterness. You know, we're focused. Maybe I'm just frenzied. I have a lot to do today. So I'm just focused. Hi, you know, but I'm just, I'm, I'm busy. I've got things to do. I'm very self-absorbed, you know. Then the third one is coveted sin. Sin that we're hanging on to that actually gives us a poisonous, it says. That's the word, a poisonous influence. So I really stopped to think, what kind of a sphere of influence surrounds me? Do I have that beautiful sphere of influence where when you come into my presence, you sense peace and joy, thoughtfulness, kindness, that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Or when you're in my presence, am I so self-absorbed that I don't really have any thought of you, let alone time for you? Or number three, am I battling or just totally, you know, hiding some secret sin where there is nothing but poison around me? And I just dare thought to myself, if I have that first, if I've spent that time with my Lord so that I have that first kind of influence, how much more will my husband love me and love to be around me? Mm -hmm. And so really and truly, the way that we interact with each other has everything to do with our connection with Jesus Christ. Let each give love rather than exact it. Cultivate that which is noblest in yourselves and be quick to recognize the good qualities in each other. Again, that goes back with yesterday. We, we get into these habits where we just naturally say negative things rather than positive things. But we can break that habit. That's right. You know? Um, being be, appreciated. Yeah, be, being appreciated is a wonderful stimulus and satisfaction. Sympathy and respect encourage the striving after excellence and love itself increases as it stimulates to nobler aims. Listen, I went to a funeral about 10 or 15 years ago that I was just ticked off when I left it. 
I was so frustrated. Here this woman was laid out in her coffin, and everyone stood up and said wonderful things about her, but I knew good and well none of us had said a word about that in, in, to her when she was alive. It just left me just disgusted. And you know, the Holy Spirit kind of whispered in my ear and said, why are you so upset? Are you so upset about everyone else or yourself that you didn't take the time to appreciate her? And I made a pact with myself that I was going to tell people what I appreciate about them, not flattery. Flattery is when you say nice things because you want something. I'm going to treat my husband good, but so help me, he better do this for me, okay? Mm-hmm. But, but true compliments, when you notice something, and I thought to myself, why don't we? Women, I want to ask you, why don't we compliment each other? Are we jealous? Mm-hmm. Are we insecure? When I see someone who has a lovely hairdo or, or uh, some, a garment on that I admire, or they really look good in that color, why don't I say it? And so I thought to myself, Lord, with your help, I'm going to say those things. Well, it kind of got me in a little trouble the other day. If you're at my women's retreat, you heard this. Came around the corner, almost ran into this woman. (laughs) She was probably in her 60s, but she was lovely. Not but. And she was lovely. She had this, her hair, the what she was wearing. She had this very pleasant, lovely um, expression on her face. I said, oh, excuse me, but God must have had fun making you. You're beautiful. She just looked shocked. I was as shocked that I said it. And I said, oh, and I'm happily married and I don't want anything. And then she laughed. <laughs> and I said, I have to tell you, I've made a pact with myself to, to tell people what I notice. And you really are a lovely person. And, we, and, she, and I said, you're supposed to say thank you now. And she said, oh, thank you. <laughs> I know I'm kind of red and I'm just trying to get out of there, you know. So she said, thank you. I go to pull away and she said, excuse me. And I turned back around and she said, you will never know how much I needed that today. And I think to myself, how often do I have opportunity to bring some joy into another's life? But in stinginess and selfishness, I withhold because of some inferiority complex. And you were just letting your light shine. There we go. Let it was kind of an, it was an interesting yeah. light. <laughs> do, not, do not try to compel each other to do as you wish. You cannot do this and retain each other's love. Manifestations of self will destroy the peace and happiness of the home. So like the question yesterday, in, in deference to that question, mm-hmm. really and truly, if we are trying to do things so the other person will do things, that's not going to make anyone happy. And it's, you know, love shouldn't be forced. However, we should also be very expressive and explain to our spouse what it is we want. I just know that ha- like. happy wife, happy life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone repeat after Patrick. No. <laughs> All right, read that, honey. Yeah. All right, it says, seize upon, by the way, your last handout on Friday will be all these quotes. Seize upon every opportunity for contributing to the happiness of those around you. Remember that true joy can be find, found only in unselfish service. And I find, I pray for divine appointments every day. And I find when I walk away from a divine appointment, and trust me, if I pray for it every day, I get them every day. There's nothing more exciting and wonderful than experiencing divine appointments. When God uses you by the Holy Spirit to do some little thing or speak a little word here or relieve a suffering there, it is a wonderful thing to work for God. Amen. So, All right. now, this, this is a big is, uh, one. This is a, a 1 Corinthians 13 summary. It may, not, it may not read quite like this in your Bible, but it, this is in your Bible. These are just the principles kind of 
magnified, okay? Uh, uh, amplified, all yes. right? So this is a, a great antidote for marriage. Love produces lasting devotion. Love will do good and nothing but good. Amen. Love practices self-denial for, for the good of others. Um, love is never self-centered or concerned about one's own happiness. Always focuses on the happiness of the other. True love is never focused on self. And I'd like to say there that I find that when I'm focused on myself, I am most miserable. Anybody can relate to that? When I, my whole focus, my main focus is on myself. Really and truly, I am most unhappy. Mm -hmm. And when I'm focused on the happiness of others, I am happy. Yeah. Uh, love is never impatient. Love always practices kindness. Love is never proud. It, it is humble. Love does not become irritated. Practices self-control. Love will never do anything that is dishonest. Always truthful. So uh, we all know that 1 Corinthians 13 is, is for lovers. It's the love chapter. Mm -hmm. So... I hope you enjoyed that. Okay. Who do you live for? Who do you live for? It's a question for us to each. You know, we are here for a revival, right? And it really talks, I believe, that this seminar really speaks to a personal revival. As we are personally revived by the Holy Spirit, we will experience a revival in our home, which will spread to our churches. Absolutely. So recognizing, who is it that I truly live for? And the next one? Whose glory is foremost in your mind? Now, I got to tell you something. I am an onstage person. I really like to be glorified. Now, y'all can look shocked, but half of you are just like me. <laughs> half of you aren't. That's why we have audiences, right? No, I'm just kidding. You're supposed to laugh. Y'all are just in shock. Anyway, I like to have myself glorified. At work, when I do things, I good and well help. People are looking. I do. I hope you see all the wonderful things I do and none of the bad things. So it is very natural for me to want to bring glory to myself, whether it's something I'm doing for my husband or for my children or for my church or for my people at work. I want them to appreciate and recognize and honor me. I know it sounds nauseating, but I'm just putting it out there. What is wonderful is that I recognize that. And as I've grown closer to the Lord and he showed me that I tend to live more for my glory than his, how many of you tend to live more for your glory than God's? You ought to all raise your hand. Because honestly, without even thinking about it, we naturally live our lives in such a way that will be easiest for ourselves. And so it is a supernatural thing for us to live otherwise. Hallelujah. And I know the person who gives us that supernatural love, and that is God. It's a humbling thing to have to ask God to give, him, give you love for him. But I do it every day because I don't naturally love anyone more than me. And I don't love myself well. How about you? But God can give us a love for him that will supersede our love for ourselves. And that is when we truly find happiness. That's right. And then who's your daddy? Who is your father? You know, honey, I got to tell them, I told you earlier, I didn't have the best role model. My dad left when I was five. And some people will say, well, you know, your dad, he struggled with being verbally abusive, physically abusive. You know, you're going you're gonna to have a struggle with that when you get older. But you know what? I have never had that problem because God has reminded me that I'm, I'm your true daddy. And I don't, I don't have those struggles. Amen. 
And so I just, I just lean upon him. And uh, when I struggle with some of the characteristics that my earthly father gave me, I say, Lord, help me out. And then he gives me his, his attributes, his character. Amen? Amen. So we can all depend on our earthly father or we can depend on our heavenly father. Amen? Amen. Then the other one is, who were you created for? And, and we know the answer to that. The next one says, who always has your best in mind. So God isn't asking you to do anything that wouldn't be for your best and for your happiness. And then the last one, which I love so much is... Hang on one second. I just want to say, who, who always has your best in mind? Uh-huh. I got to just share this thought real quick. Um, I used to go into the jails and the prisons, okay? I love to go in there because these, these people... They are always so appreciative of you coming. A lot of them have lost their family. They just, they're hungry. And uh, so I would go in, especially with the guys. And, and, and I knew that the guys in the prison, I knew they hated narcs. They hate snitches. You know? And, uh, and so I would tell them, your best friend is a, is a narc. I found this out. Your best friend is a snitch. And they'd say, what are you talking about, Pastor Pat? And I'd say, I'd say, the devil, he, he sets you guys up to do these things. Then you do it. Then he, he, he gets the police to come right behind you, turn the lights on, and bust you, right? Then he, then he, then he arrests, has, you, has, you, has you arrested, you're put in prison. So, so the devil doesn't have your best in mind. Even in your marriage, the devil wants to wipe you out. The devil wants to make sure that your marriage fails. John 10, 10, the thief comes not but for to kill, steal, and to destroy. But Jesus says, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more more abundantly. abundantly. So on the other hand, on the flip side, who has your best in mind? In the book, Desire of Ages, it says Jesus tries to keep us from embarrassment. Okay, so let's say we're having a big fight. You know, we've all had them. You know, God, Jesus doesn't want that to get out to the brothers and the sisters in church. Oh, the Joneses are having a, a fight. You know? No, Jesus wants to bring healing and love and power and so that nobody has to know about this. Right? Jesus tries to keep us from embarrassment. Now, sometimes, even though he tries, people still are headlong. They keep doing it and then they finally get caught and they finally get busted. You know, you know what I mean? But I like that. I like that about God is he's, he's got our best in mind. He's trying to keep us from him being embarrassed. Amen. He's trying to keep our marriages from yes. being anything but the very yes, best. Yes, absolutely. That's right. I love this one. Who can you trust? Really and truly, the only person that we can trust absolutely all of the time is the Lord. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I want my husband's heart to safely trust in me as well. Mm-hmm. And I know that he wants to be the most trustworthy person in my life as my friend, too. This was just a prayer that I added. This is a prayer that I pray every day. Father in heaven, enlarge my capacity to receive love, to receive you, and give me your love for others that I may truly be free and joyful in you. Because I find that when God infuses within my soul a love for him and a love for others, I can truly love like he loved. And so I pray for that. Uh, Though difficulties, perplexities, and discouragement may arise, 
or will arise. <laughs> uh, let neither husband or wife harbor the thought that their union is a mistake or a disappointment. And we had a sister here yesterday, and she said, you guys heard her. She said, well, I think I married the wrong person. I, I'm, I don't think he was really the one that God wanted me to marry. You heard, you heard her. But, but this is saying, no, you can, you can turn that around and you could, can make that what you thought was, was a mistake. You can turn that around and it can God be, turns it around. And God can turn it around. That's right. Mm -hmm. It says, let neither husband or wife harbor the thought that their union is a mistake or a disappointment. Determined to be all that it is possible to be to each other. Continue the early attentions in every way. Encourage each other in fighting the battles of life. Study to advance the happiness of each other. That's profound. Study to advance the happiness of each other. When's the last time you stopped and thought, what can I do today to surprise and delight? Yeah. What can I do to bring some joy to my spouse? Then marriage, instead of being the end of love, will be, as it were, the very beginning of love. And you know, this continue the early attentions, it's kind of like, uh, you know, your spouse says to you, honey, do you, do you love me? Why, honey, I told you that when we first got married, and if I change my mind, you'll be the first to know. See, that's not a good, that's not good. That's not good. We need to tell each other that we appreciate each other, we love each other. And expression deepens what? Impression. That's right. The more we express it, the more deeper our love will be and our feelings right. for each other. Wives, submit yourselves, submit your, to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, and also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. How much? Just as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for her, Nevertheless, love your own wife, make your, like yourself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Yeah. Who has the greatest calling here? The husband has the greatest calling here. Why is it, other than a women's liberation type thought, why is it that we resist this, women? I think I, think I know the answer. If, if we as husbands treat our wives as Christ treats the church, I don't think the wives would have a problem treating us the way that we need to be treated. <laughs> Am I Amen. right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. So it's true, isn't it? It's yeah. so true. This principle is beautiful. And then there's another scripture that talks about the wife being the weaker vessel. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean that she's not as smart or not as strong or not as intelligent or, or has less ability. It means that we have been chosen and set aside to create life. And with that comes a lot of a different uh, physical and emotional and mental differences than men. Because we carry life, we have a lot more hormones. We have a lot more, uh, we, you know, when God created male and female to represent him, by the way, one of God's names is the many-breasted one, so God is the perfect mother and the perfect father, and he reflects himself in both male and female. In that beautiful union, God recognized that, I don't know about you, I'll speak for myself, my husband's a whole lot more on an even plane than I am. I tend to have wonderful highs and then some lows. You know, part of it has to do with a hormonal cycle, right? 
But I'm so happy that God allowed me the privilege of creating life. Now, but what happens, though, when one of the parties is giving and giving and giving, but the other person is not giving back? It reminds me a little bit of that lady who had a husband who was a gambler, liked to play cards late at night. And he would get his wife up at two o'clock in the morning and say, honey, I need you to get up. All, we're all hungry. And she would get up, make them, you know, early breakfast or, or late supper or whatever. And, and she didn't complain. No, didn't complain. She didn't and her, grumble. And her, and her friends found out about it. And they said, why? I wouldn't do that. My husband treated me like he'd just have to cook for himself, you know. And, uh, and, and I think I'd join them in that. <laughs> but, she said, but she said, listen, he needs to see Christ in me. And I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him that he will come around. And one day it happened. I don't know how many years this had happened. He finally, the Holy Spirit got a hold of him and he said, how, how could you do this? All these years, we get you up at two or three o'clock in the morning and something touched his heart. He gave his heart to the Lord. And, and it do you was know because... what she Yeah. And do you know what she said? She said, because I... I was praying for you, but just in case, this might be the only heaven you would ever know. Yeah. I wanted you to experience as much of life as you yeah. could, <laughs> as good as I could make it for you, because I'm going somewhere where it's going to be so much better. Yeah. And some people would not have done this. Right. I mean, that's kind of like over and, and beyond and above. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Takes God's kind of love. Amen. Uh, way over the top. Yeah, yeah. Amen, sister. Okay, six tips for being a godly husband. Be a spiritual leader. Lead with humility. Uh, do Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of a selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Um, be a godly, courageous man. 1 Corinthians 16 says, be on your guard, stand firm in faith. Be men of courage, be strong. And I and, like to go ahead, honey. Well, I'm just I'm thinking to you know in this day and age because the media has so depanced men, you know they have. They just they they make it look like that men. The kids are the smartest. The wife is next, yeah. and the men are the idiots yeah. in the family. And, 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 and sitcoms. And, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say too to be a spiritual leader. What does that look like with boots on, you know, skin on the ground, so to speak? And I would just want to say a spiritual leader is a man who, would, if they can, depending on their job hours, that they gather the family for for evening worship. Or sometimes that looks like morning worship because that's the only time you have your whole family. I would want to suggest that to you, especially on Friday night. I appreciate the fact that my husband always makes us all stop at least fifteen or twenty minutes early. He said, we don't want to rush. We don't want to infringe on the Holy Sabbath hours. So he would call us aside. Okay, everyone, in 10 minutes, we're going to stop and we're going to come for family worship. So any work that needs to be done, let's finish that up. I appreciated that. Another thing is being a courageous man. I remember one time our son bringing home a video. Dad, it's good. It's good. Let's watch it. Let's watch it as a family. It's a good one. Five minutes into it, they took the Lord's name in vain. My husband got up and turned it off. Dad, 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 I forgot that, but it's only that one part. I know they don't swear anymore. He's like, son, we can't take that chance. This is God's home. And you know, my mother heart, here's a mother. Here's how mothers are maybe not as consistent as fathers. I have that emotional love. 
Why, what if it is the only time they swore? Maybe we could just try it. No. My husband said, no. We don't want to do that. This isn't the kind of thing that would re- re- reflect God's home. We don't want to bring dishonor to God's name. I respect him for that. Was it easy? No. Did it win him points with the kids? No. But you know what? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for but anything. I, but I, here's how I got my points, everybody. <laughs> she doesn't know I'm going to say this. Uh, I'd get, I, I would get my points is by... Is this the let me surprise you yeah, part of the day? Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, the kids would say, oh, we're gonna, mommy would say, we're going to have worship. And they'd say, well, okay, let's let daddy have worship. Because mine was a little shorter. Mom would give them... Her, her minutes were prophetic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm afraid they would agree with him. <laughs> Okay, be a, be a good provider. If a man fails to provide for his household, he's worse than a pagan. Now, that's, that's pretty harsh. But, and uh, I appreciate that about you, honey. If you lost your job tomorrow, you'd pump gas, do whatever it takes. No, that's, I wouldn't pump gas. You wouldn't? <laughs> I, I thought would, you said you would. I would. No, I wouldn't. I'd put my electrical tools on, and I'd make more than a gas pump. But what, if, but what if you couldn't do that? Would you pump gas if that's all there were? I guess. Okay, just all right. curious. All right. Um, <laughs> No, love, just kidding. <laughs> love God, love God more than you love your wife. Matthew ten thirty seven. If you if you love, you know, Jesus said, if you love your children or your your wife or your you know whoever more than your you love car, me, your yeah, sports car. Yeah, if, yeah. If you, if you love these other people more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. And that's why I said when I proposed to Tammy, would you be second in my life next to Jesus? Because I knew I needed God first to help me to be what he wanted me to be. Because I, I didn't have a good home life. I had a, you know, my little grandmother, if she hadn't stepped up to the plate and took my mother and I in, I don't know what would have happened to me. So thank you, Jesus, for grandparents. Amen. But, uh, but we got to love God more than anybody else. Anybody else. And we can ask him for that. Yeah, love her biblically and ex- extravagantly. So if you don't believe that, read the Song of Solomon. <laughs> Extravagant love there. That's right. Love is not a feeling to be felt, but an action to be learned. And I remember one time sitting in a, a ministerial meeting, and there was this young guy there. He was, he was a nice-looking young man. He, he couldn't wait to find, find the bride of his life. He was going to be a pastor. He was already a pastor. He praying hard for a, a young woman to help him in ministry. And he was describing to us at the table there, Oh, he was describing the description of, of this woman that he was looking for. And he was going on and on. And then this, this guy next to me that was probably in his early 60s, he said to her, he said to him, well, uh, he called out his name and he said, what are you going to do if your wife loses one of her breasts? That she has breast cancer. And, she, and she's not going to have this beauty that you're describing you want your wife to have. And, and he kind of he kind of uh, got quiet because this man had just his wife had just lost one of her breasts. In other words, if my wife has an accident and, you know, her face is all mangled, she doesn't look like she does now. Am I going to am I going to be there to support her and encourage her and take care of her? You know, and I believe that I would because I know I know for a fact she would do it for me if I got in an accident. But I should, do it, I should do it for more reasons than just that, you know. But, but you see, that's true love. If, if the beauty is gone, 
we should still, you know, we should love each other like Christ loves the church. Sometimes the church doesn't always look attractive to the Lord, but he still loves us. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. So love is not a feeling to be felt, but an action to be learned. Just because I don't feel like saying I love you, I should say I love you anyway, even if, even if I don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. We just wanted to briefly go through the, the five love languages. We, yeah. I know that that's been covered a lot here, but we had several people say, well, just hit on them quickly, so we wanted to well, do that. And, all, and the only reason why is because sometimes our love tanks become empty. And how do we get them filled, filled back up? Mm -hmm. You have to learn your love language in order to... Because sometimes, for those of you who've never heard this before, we want to give to our spouse the, the language of love that we have instead of the love, their love language. Mm -hmm. See, my love language is acts of service. So I know that my wife loves me when she cooks for me. Okay? Mm -hmm. Makes me good food. And that fills my love tank. Uh, she knows I love her when I touch her or when I tell her, give her words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. You see? So I need to touch more. So words of affirmation is one that we share, actually. And I love what Mark Twain said. He said that he can li live two months on a good compliment. And if you think about that, if you think back about people that are very meaningful in your life, if your love language is words of affirmation, you will think about some of the things they said to you that were very, very meaningful to you. And my husband has lots of words of affirmation for me, and I appreciate you know, that. Some of these I know have not heard this story, honey, so I just got to tell it. All right. This, this is how you know. <laughs> this is how you know your love tank is empty. This lady had had it. She had had it. She had tried everything with her husband, and he was not getting it. He just didn't show love, affection, attention, nothing. And she was done. She said, we're going to the counselor, and if that doesn't work, it's over. So he dr she drug him to the counselor. And so he listened to her on and on. He's not affectionate. He's not loving. She, he, she went on and on. Finally, finally, the counselor stood up, and he went over to the man's wife, and he said, ma'am, would you please stand up? And, and he the counselor took the other man's wife in his arms and he kissed her passionately right in front of her husband. Are you going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't passionately. And, and he kissed her passionately in front of her husband. And, and he said, now listen, this is what she needs three times a week. Will you do it? And he said, well, he said, I could bring her here on Mondays and Wednesdays. <laughs> but, he said, but he said, on Fridays I fish. The guy, I mean, her love tank is empty and he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And I'm sure this is a fictional story. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right. It All is right. The, it is the little attentions. The little, the little, you've heard that expression, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. Well, it's the little attentions, the numerous small incidents and simple courtesies of life. I mean, I mean, it doesn't take much to make my wife happy. I could bring her a dandelion and she'd be happy. She would because it would be, it would be a gift and she just loves gifts and she loves me to dote on. I mean, a dandelion. It's the thoughtfulness. Yeah, it's the little things. That's right. It says that make up the sum of life's happiness and it is the neglect 
of kindly, encouraging, and affectionate words and the little courtesies of life which help compose the sum of life's wretches. You see, when we, like we said yesterday, the counselor says, and this is a true, true story, the counselor says when he looks out his window and he sees the couple fighting before they come in, he knows there's hope, but, he see, but when they're indifferent, and he's sitting here like this, and, and she has her back to him looking the other way, and they're not even talking, he realizes there's, there's not a lot of hope for that because they're done. They're done with each other. And they have forgot the, the, the little courtesies, the kind, you know, they, mm-hmm. and, and they're just so opposites, you know. Mm-hmm. You know what? I believe that this is the revival that we each one can claim today. Mm-hmm. What are the little attentions that perhaps you've forgotten about that have gone by the wayside? What are those little things that you used to do that would make your wife or husband's heart sing? What are those tiny little things just of appreciation, saying please and thank you? All of those things that can make up the life's of the sum of life's happiness or wretchedness. And I believe that's why it's within each of our power to do this. It's within each of our power to stop and think, what can I do today to delight and surprise? This is a beautiful quote, and you'll have a copy of this. Yeah, Acts, absolutely. Uh, uh, Adventist Home 108. 108. Yeah, mm-hmm. Adventist Home. So I just wanted to go over quality time. For some people, that's their love language. I think quality time is, I remember you saying to my husband, honey, we need to spend more time together. And he said, what do you mean? I laid next to you in bed for eight hours last night. <laughs> okay. But there's been times, too, I've come home and he'll say, honey, he'll be telling me a story. And he'll say, honey, sit down because I'm unpacking groceries or I'm fixing supper or I'm busy. And I can hear him just fine. Just keep talking. I can hear. No, Tammy, please just come sit down and look at me when I talk to you. Very important that I stop and do that. So I have, so he has my 100% attention. So quality time is something very important. Also, man. Date night. Things like that. Also, man, we're we're. We're a little, there's a lot of deer hunters around here. Now, none of you, of course, you're Adventists and you eat veggie deer. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, 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 you know, we're, we're a lot like the deer hunters around here, guys. And, and don't be like them. I've known guys, and you've known them too. I think of my buddy in Oklahoma when we worked in the power plant together. Uh, he was the very best uh, dirt bike, motocross, motocross bike rider in the state of Oklahoma. And uh, he loved racing, and I'd go watch him. The guy was crazy. He must have had three guardian angels. But, uh, but he, he, de- he doted on this uh, sweet wife of his before they were married. He doted on her. Remember Lisa? Oh, yeah. He doted on her, and he bagged the buck. He, ba- he bagged her, you know. He got his dough, and, but once he bagged her, then he went on to other things. The motorcycles became more important than his wife and the races and you know other things and finally and and we loved them both we knew both of them very well but finally lisa had taken all she could take and she just left him they, they divorced and he jim was like well i don't know what happened <laughs> i don't know what happened and, you know he bagged her and he got her and then he went on to other things mm-hmm. so you we know? have to be careful and, and he didn't do this yeah he didn't do the quality time mm-hmm. you remember them yep, yeah i do the other one is receiving gifts. Again, it can be as simple as a dandelion. And really what a gift says to a man or a woman is, I thought about you. 
Um, while you were gone, I was out at the store. I saw this, and I knew you would love that. Mm -hmm. Or um, I stopped along the way. I saw those sweet peas that grow wild, and I picked some of those to you for you. Just going out of your way to do those simple things. It can be a gift of time. It can be, be a gift of yourself. Um, my husband, he'll rub my back or rub my feet. And I have to admit, it's kind of like this. He'll rub for a little, and then he'll say, there, is that good? I'll say, well, that's a good start. Well, and then well, he'll rub yeah. for a minute, and then he'll say, now I've got to rest. And I'll say, that's okay, you can rest. And are you done yet? Yeah, but, but I figured it out. you got to figure it out, guys. If it wears you out to, to massage your wife, then buy a thumper. Do you all know what a thumper is? No. It's not the little rabbit on the movie. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that goes... <laughs> and and you, you buy them, you, the, the uh, massage therapists use them, the uh, chiropractors use them. You can buy them. It's the best $250 you ever spent. And you can just, you can <laughs> lay there on your back with one hand and go. <laughs> and after your teeth are loose and your bones have rattled loose, you think, that's good. Oh, no, they work. They work. She loves it. Most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. The uh, other one is acts of service. <laughs> And I just never, love this let's country. say that again. A, a man has, a woman has never divorced his wife while she was doing while was, the, while he was doing the, the dishes. <laughs> I'm not sure she'd want to eat them off of them, but she might not know. <laughs> I love that picture. <laughs> so, and then physical touch. Now, this is where somebody was going to remind me, but I remembered. How do you get what you want? And this sounds like, oh, Tammy, you just taught about selflessness, and now you're... But this is what I mean. Often we tell each other what we like and what helps us feel loved. But then when the other person forgets, then we're miffed, and then we're mad, and then we're resentful. And we build a wall between each other. And I think it's really important to remember to ask what you want more than once. So in other words, when we were well, first... Now, wait a minute. That is biblical. Does, the, does Matthew 7, 7 say, ask and it shall be given? Seek and you will find, right? Okay. That's right. And so, keep on asking. And keep on asking. Okay, okay. So we'll often be counseling couples and, and she'll say, well, when we were first married, I told him this is what I wanted and he's never done it. I've reminded him even once and he doesn't because he doesn't love me. If he loved me, he'd remember. I'm serious. And I'm picking on the women here. I think we're the worst in this area. Amen. Listen, men need to be remembered. Men need to be reminded more than once. <laughs> That's true. And That's so, true. like, for instance, when we were first married, I loved to be held and touched, as mm, you know. Oh, yeah. So I taught him how. Mm. I'd say, now, honey, we stand. You put your arms around my waist. Mm -hmm. Yes. I put my arm around yeah. your neck like this. And he would burp me. So he would. <laughs> and I kind of felt like it was like, are we almost done? Are we almost done? Are we almost done? And he was going out, going out the door to work. But honey, tell him after 34 years. <laughs> tell him. Tell Listen, him. he doesn't burp me anymore. That's right. And that's right. he'll even look at the clock and I'll say, honey, I need a six-second hug. You know, that's a long time when a man's already out the door in his mind. Uh -huh. But he'll do I it. I can do six seconds. That's, right. that's right. So my point is, ladies... We need to ask for what it is we need and follow through with that. I know my husband loves me. I know he loves to please me. But I also need to be specific about what it is I really enjoy when he does hug and touch me. And especially when it comes to being sexually satisfied. It's very, very important to a man that his wife 
is very pleased and happy. And if it isn't important to him, then men, you're being very selfish. Okay, now also, I didn't bring the scripture, shame on me, but I know my buddy Steve is around here somewhere, and you can Google it. Somewhere in, in Proverbs, it says, in, see, in the tongue is the words of life or the words of death. And it's in there somewhere. You guys help me find it. But we're talking about words. Your words can help heal your marriage. Mm -hmm. Or your words can be like poison and just help destroy your marriage. And I know that's in the Bible. It's in Proverbs. Somebody's mm -hmm. going to help me. Right? That's, right. That's right. Yes, but honey, you didn't mean to, but you cut me off right in the middle of that intimacy one. Oh, I'm sorry. That's you mean, all you right. want to go back? No. Because they can look for no. it when we go no. back. No, we don't have to go back. Okay. My, point was, my point because was, though, that when we make love to one another, it's very important that both parties are fully satisfied. That's what I was well, saying. We're going to talk about that on another And day. we are. It's actually on Friday. Oh, okay, all right. Making love. So all we'll right. get there all as right. well. It's not for the faint hearted. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, words of affirmation. You're, you're, uh, yes, sir. Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs 18.21. Read it, sir. It talks about the power of the tongue. There's words of, how does it say it? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Okay. All right. There is power, there's life and death in the power of the tongue, right? That's right. And so we can speak blessings or we can speak curses in our marriage mm -hmm. by, the, by our, our choices. You know, one thing Pat and I have done, and we'll talk about this more on love and respect, but he has a right, and I invite him to say, Tammy, when you did that or when you said that, I felt very disrespected, and we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. And the same is for when he hurts my feelings. We need to be able to tell each other without feeling like he's going to say, you are just being too sensitive. Or I say, I didn't mean it that way. You just took me wrong. No, we own it. That's part of creating a safe place is we own. You know what? Absolutely. I, I'm so sorry, honey. I did not. That is not my, was not my expect, my, I was not trying to do that to you, but I did and I'm sorry. All right. So in, very important. In closing, we're going to read our, our, uh, uh, our card. Our card. And Do you then, all have it? And then, and then there might be. We might. We may have a time for just a few questions. Mm -hmm. And so, prayer is the answer to every problem in life, including marriage. Can somebody say Amen? Okay. It puts us in tune with divine wisdom, which knows how to adjust marriage perfectly. Is that okay? Can God adjust marriage perfectly? Amen. Absolutely. So often we do not pray for our marriage because from our standpoint, our marriage is hopeless. But nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Amen. Okay. It says... Nothing um, is so entangled that it cannot be remedied. No marriage relationship is too strained for God to bring about reconciliation and understanding. No habit is so deep-rooted that it cannot be overcome. No marriage is so ill that it cannot be healed. No mind is so dull that it cannot be made brilliant. Whatever we need in our marriage, if we trust God, He will supply it. Remember, you don't have to pray, Lord, if it be Your will, help my marriage. It's always God's will to help your marriage. Amen? If you pray, Lord, please help me to have a new uh, 
BMW. That may not be God's will, you see. But, but Lord, help me help my marriage. That is God's will. <laughs> and it says he will supply it. If anything is causing worry or anxiety, let us stop rehearsing the difficulty and trust God for healing, love, and power. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we, we did have one question, and we, we addressed that, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Did we address that one question? Right. Okay. That, that um, it's not about being subservient. It's about God. Oh, you have, a, you have one? It's about God um, helping us to have love and service for him and the way that we serve our spouse right. and him infusing us e with even that love. If, even if it's not reciprocal. Even if you seem like you're being a slave and he's not serving mm -hmm. you. And I would like to actually end. We're going to ask... We're going to have some time for question and answers. And so we have a, we have a um, microphone back here. And when you raise your hand, we'll know that you would like to ask a question or have a comment. But I'd like to, to kind of end with a story while you're thinking about that. My sister gave me permission to tell this story. She said, Tammy, one day um, I'd been married about a year or so. And she said, my husband had been impossible. He had been unreasonable. He'd been nitpicky about the house when he came home. It was obvious he, he was upset about something at work that he wasn't ready to share, and yet he had taken it out on me all day. And that night when we went to bed, she said we were laying in our double bed trying not to touch. He was over on his side, turned over with his back to her. She was laying there on her side. And as she lay there with tears on her pillow, feeling like it was not fair and that what she was going through was undeserved, the Holy Spirit impressed her. He said, Angel, turn over and put your arms around Chris. And she said, not on your life. <laughs> and the Lord said, Angel, don't you see, I put you and Chris together for many reasons. But one of them is that Chris has never experienced my love. And so I have entrusted him to you. And I'm asking you to show him my love. Mm -hmm. he doesn't deserve it he's been really mean but can you just show him my love for me she said Lord will you help me she said Tammy it took me probably two or three minutes but I rolled over and put my arms around him and he didn't really respond but somehow in the night when I woke up his arms were around me Amen. and he told me later I've never been loved like that Amen. What if it says God puts people together for the saving of each other? That's mm -hmm. not what if. It's for sure that God has put Pat and I together and you together or your future spouse. He will put you together for the saving, for the edification, and for the loving of one another. Don't Amen. you see our mission field, our greatest mission field is in our home Amen. and in our marriage. Amen. We have time for one question and then the rest of the questions... Put, no, we don't. We don't have time, yeah, okay, she's saying. We're, nope. we're done. We're All out right. of time. Okay. The people outside are saying, are you kidding me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought 315 was the deadline. Okay. All, All right. right. We All have right. time for prayer. All right. Father in heaven, we thank you for our gathering together with the family of God today. Lord, you're our heavenly father, and you're the one that's building our marriages, our families. We give you permission. We give you right to just... Be on the throne of our hearts and help us to all of us to have the, the marriage that you 
want us to have. And Lord, send a revival. Send a revival into every single home within the listening of my voice. Father, send a revival and a reformation in each one of us individually that we will be the loving presence of Jesus in our relationship. And we ask and pray all these things in the wonderful and worthy name of our Savior. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.